Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. You're listening to I Freaking Love History, and my name is Kim Brittingham. And I've been going through life thinking that bloomers were invented by a 19th century woman named Amelia Bloomer. But that's not entirely true. I know that now that I've read Gail V. Fisher's book, Pantaloons in Power and American Dress Reform. So, Gail, how was I wrong about Amelia Bloomer, and what did I get right? Well, I'm a bloomer. The word bloomer uh, comes from Amelia Bloomer's name. Uh, Bloomers did not exist um, uh, as bloomers until Amelia Bloomer um, put on the um, uh, pants and um, uh, went uh, strolling through Seneca Falls. Um, the garment um, existed, just women didn't wear it. And Amelia Bloomer was a um, newspaper editor and for a reform journal. And she got into kind of a exchange with a, another newspaper editor. And he um, flippantly called them bloomers. And the word uh, was born. And so, um, really, um, uh, Amelia Bloomer didn't invent the garment, but the garment is named after her. And um, uh, ever since, we've called them um, uh, Bloomers. Okay. Uh, So, uh, Amelia Bloomer just happened to be a a very public person who wore them, and that's how her name got stuck to them? Yeah, I think um, uh, her name just... um, uh, I they often fantasized about like if um, it had been Elizabeth, um, Katie Stanton instead of Bloomer, would they have been, um, would they have called them Stantons um, instead right. of Bloomers? <laughs> or, yeah, Anthony's instead of Bloomers. Um, it, it's such a great word. Um, yes. It just stuck. Um, she um, tried to, you know, extricate herself from. Uh, uh, being seen as the inventor or being seen as the first person who wore them, but um, it, it it just works. Um, uh, her name, you know, an accident in history, and um, she uh, will be known forever. <laughs> Not for yeah. what she wants to be known for, but um, uh, nonetheless. Right. Um, uh, so, so women were, were mostly wearing skirts and dresses for, for many, many years. How did bloomers come to be in the first place? Why were these women in Seneca Falls wearing these pants? All right. So, um, I, let's see. It's um, tricky, again, because of um, language. Um, what um, are bloomers? Bloomers didn't exist um, before Amelia Bloomer. But um, uh, there were um, pants. Not that women were wearing them. Uh, uh, let's see. Children, girls, um, actually boys as well, um, uh, until they um, uh, began to wear um, men's clothes, were, were dressed um, in the same clothes that girls wore. And that would mm-hmm. be um, pantalettes. And um, and skirts, dresses. Um, but for children, the dresses usually went um, just below the knee, and then the pantalettes 
um, a, where you're visible from a, the bottom of the skirt to the ankle. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes they're fancy with lace, you know, um, but they weren't pants because usually they tied um, around the um, knee, above the knee. Okay. So it looked like pants, but it was more like um, leg warmers. Like like individual so legs almost. <laughs> yeah. Um, with a, so you um, I so when um, I, the um, let's see, the since Amelia Bloomer is associated with the women's rights movement, um, where they got um, a, the idea, it's not really clear, but it's possible that um, a, a they borrowed um, the idea of pants from uh, Eastern women, um, uh, women from the Middle East, um, okay. uh, specifically harem, very feminine um, kind of trousers. And mm-hmm. so um, uh, that may be the inspiration for the pants that um, uh, the women's rights women um, wore. Okay. Yeah. So... From reading your book, it sounds like there were a lot of women across the country who did not know each other who started wearing bloomers or pants for their own reasons. Um, so what were some of the reasons they decided to uh, possibly take after Eastern women and, um, or Middle Eastern women and wear these blousey kind of pants? What, what were their reasons? Well, um, I, the women's rights women um, I bring um, – attention nationally to um, bloomers, to dress reform. But you're right, all across the country, um, women um, who didn't know each other, and actually women who did, because the reform community community tended to be fairly small, and so if someone was involved in health reform, they might also be involved in women's rights, they might also be involved in um, moral reform. But um, what I think is that uh, especially as women, um, as families moved west, uh, and women were isolated and they had to do um, uh, the work of men. Often, you know, they would put on a pair of their um, husband's um, old trousers and an old dress that um, didn't matter if they, you know, got really dirty and would go mm-hmm. out and work. They didn't expect anyone to see them. Sort of like, you know, when you're at home in your sweats and um, working around. Um, and right. You don't expect anyone to see you when you're at your worst. So there's that group of women, and they're very difficult to catalog because, of course, it's all done in private. Um, other women did it for um, uh, health reasons. So um, there have been, been some studies that um, women's long skirts you know, when they walked, they dragged along the ground and they picked up all kinds of um, dirt and, um, you know, all the yuck. Um, right. And this is Horse my, uh, real yuck. <laughs> they didn't have super, super long, right? <laughs> right. So, um, so that, um, uh, one of the arguments was that long dresses are inherently unhealthy for women. Um uh, they're just because of their length. But then you add on top of that, the skirts are getting wider and wider. Um, and so women are wearing seven petticoats, and they're all, 
you know, tied around their um, waist. And so they're carrying around this very heavy um, garment all at their waist. And doctors are saying that um, uh, in order to accommodate that bulk at the waist, women are pulling their corsets tighter. And so they're displacing their internal organs. And um, uh, so some women say, got to get rid of all those petticoats and, um, uh, you know, the corset. And so they adopt um, a dress reform, uh, dress and um, uh, trousers, dress and bloomers um, uh, for health reasons. And mm-hmm. then um, there are a couple of religious groups that um, also uh, adopt um, uh, the bloomers for religious reasons. Um, you meant, uh, let's see, John Humphrey Noyes in the United Community in New York are probably um, uh, the best known. And um, uh, Noyes wanted to uh, destroy the distinction between the um, sexes. Um, it's the way he says in you know his literature. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the way he lived, but um, so he wanted um, women and men to look more alike, so there wouldn't be this sexual tension between um, the sexes. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, he advocated for um, a bloomer kind of costume, but uh, his those women in the United community were pantalettes, um, which again are the pieces that go above the knee, um, rather than trousers or mm-hmm. pants. Um, so I argue that, um, in fact, what Noyce was doing was turning women into children because he never quite got around to um, uh, reforming men's clothing. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, in, so the yeah. Oneida women were essentially not wearing men's pants. They were wearing the children's version of pantalettes. In um, at the United community, it's really right. hard to know what um, uh, uh, other women um, were wearing um, uh, because this is also a time uh, pre um, uh, underpants for um, uh, women, mm-hmm. and uh, women have no. Um, uh, most women, majority of women, has no experience with a bifurcated garment, you know, two legs and um, a seam. And from what I can tell from the literature and the patterns I've been able to find is that um, what you had were two tubes and they were um, tied at the waist. So the women could argue that they were not wearing men's um, pants. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Um, almost like a wrap style. Right. Um, it's like almost like a, a sushi wrap right. around each leg, kind of. Yeah. So you pull up <laughs> yeah. one leg tight at the waist, pull on the other leg tight at the waist, and, um, right. and it's not really pants, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because it looks like pants doesn't mean it is pants. Right. Because pants are only for men. Yeah. Pants are men's okay. um, and respectable um, women wouldn't wear a man's garment. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Um, so, so they yeah. have to use this out for themselves. How can I wear, you know, get the benefit of pants but not wear a man's garment? Mm-hmm. 
wear two tubes. Right. Okay. And so why was there go I'm sorry, go ahead, Gail. I'm sorry? Go ahead. I interrupted you. Sorry. It's okay. So we have women who are wearing pants for different reasons. We have um, maybe women out west, women on the prairie who are wearing their men's pants to work in and not expecting anyone to see them. Um, Mm -hmm. We have people who believe that skirts were unhealthy, either because they picked up dirt in the street or because the skirts became so heavy, what with the different layers that women were um, wearing them too tightly around the waist, perhaps, or they were weighing on them. Um, And then you have people in religious communities like Oneida, where, um, you know, the leader, John Humphrey Noyes, wanted men and women to look more alike to get rid of the sexual tension. So those are some really, um, you know, wide-ranging reasons to wear pants. It's very interesting. I wonder, though, with, with the women in Oneida, because they wanted the the benefits of pants without really wearing pants, what was the shame attached to wearing pants? What what was so wrong with that? Well, because um, uh, the Bible said, and this is um, this crosses um, uh, secular and um, religious lines. The Bible said that women um, uh, cannot wear that which pertains to man, and man cannot wear that which pertains to women. And what that means is that men can't wear women's clothes and women can't wear men's clothes. And mm-hmm. by the 19th century, um, especially the mid-19th century, pants were men's and the skirts were women's, even though historically, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, 15th century, um, uh, maybe we begin to, um, uh, is when we begin to see men wearing um, uh uh, bifurcated garments, trunk hose, and, you know, I think Henry VIII. And, um, uh, but prior to that, um, uh, both men and women are wearing uh, dresses, what we would call dresses, gowns. Um, right. But um, uh, by the mid-19th century, pants um, uh, have been men's domain for so long that um, uh, uh, nobody um, is questioning um, men's sole right to wear um, pants. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the fear was, and this um, was that if women started wearing pants, they would become men. Um, Figuratively, literally, um, they would become men. And what always um, gets me is um, uh, why isn't that a good thing? Since men are superior to women, right? Um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, as the thinking goes, um, uh, it would seem that um, uh, you know, women who are men, um, it would be a good thing. But um, uh, it seems that because women are so weak, that women would become the worst of men. So um, uh, when women would put on trousers, the thinking would go, it's, they wouldn't become gallant and heroic and courageous. They would become um, uh, uh, the um, uh, dregs of society. Like they would um, uh, drink and they would smoke and they would um, uh, swear and they would um, be um, uh, delinquents. 
mm-hmm. because he didn't have enough character. So the real fear, um, women in pants, was that women would become the worst of men. They become men, but the worst kind of man. Right. Because the belief yeah. was that women were made up of, of weaker stuff. Not just yeah. physically weaker, but, you know, morally weaker that that we needed to be controlled because we were such a mess. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's why um, it took so long um, for women's um, education to uh, take off because the fear was that um, uh, women um, uh, became overeducated um, uh, it would, their ovaries, their uteruses would shrivel up and um, uh, no longer be able to produce babies. Um, wow. That same kind of um, thinking, yeah, that um, women um, need to stay women. And one of the ways that um, uh, women stay women is by looking like women. You have to be able to tell you're looking at a woman. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, it was um, the. I mean, we're going through a lot of um, uh, changes in our society. It seems like at an incredible rate. In the um, 19th century, it felt that same way. Like there was so much change going on that it became even more important to hold on to these very rigid um, uh, sex roles. Um, uh, if everything else was changing, at least you could count on women being women and men being men. And so it was very scary to see women in um, pants. Very frightening. Right. Um, yeah. I When I lecture on dress reform, sometimes I'll start the lecture with a slide of a man in a skirt. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, a modern man, you know, dressed in a skirt. He, you can tell he's a man. He's like got his business suit on, but instead of trousers, he has a, um, a skirt um, and um, a hose and heels. Mm-hmm. And it usually gets laughed. Um, yeah. uh, but um, uh, because skirts aren't um, uh, threatening, men have power. Right. Right. So uh, pants have um, uh, power. Skirts don't um, have power. So a man in a skirt is funny. Um, uh, a man in a skirt is a, um, a joke because why would a man um, assume the clothing of someone less powerful? Um, uh, so there's also um, that fear um, underlying seeing women in pants. They start to look like men then they're going to start wanting, you know, all of the privileges as manhood. Right, and like voting, for example. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and in fact, some of the dress reformers are um, a, quite persuasive. I got very caught up in some of the literature, um, and I thought, and I followed their logic. Women start wearing pants, then they'll be able to um, go out into the world, they'll be able to get educated, they'll be able to get jobs, and then there will be equality. I'm thinking, yeah, right on, sister. And then yeah. um, I, I pause and I think, I'm here wearing jeans. And um, I, um, it's not all equal. So I guess maybe pants are the <laughs> solution. But it, right. um, it, was, it made sense to me when um, I was reading it and getting very caught up in their, um, in their propaganda. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, is quite persuasive. But then um, all I had to do was look around me and see all of the women in pants and see how far women still had to go and realize it's not the solution. Right. This is fascinating stuff. So, it really is. Um, so I have a question for you about the the word. Um, your book title is Pantaloons and Power. And I, I just want to make it clear to the listeners who may not know that when we talk about pants, we're really just using a shortened word for pantaloons. Do you know how and when Americans stopped saying pantaloons and just went with pants? Um, it's, uh, let's see, um, uh, as uh, pantaloons in the um, field of uh, clothing history, um, uh, there um, uh, is very clear um, uh, distinctions between breeches, um, uh, pantaloons, trousers. Um, uh, pants are a, um, I guess, a slang term, an informal term uh, for um, uh, pantaloons, but really um, it's a slang term that is applied more to trousers. Pantaloons um, came for men um, were worn the beginning of the 19th century, and they were very form-fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, think of Napoleon. You know, those very right. form-fitting um, uh, pantaloons right. um, or breeches. Um, breeches usually um, were... Um, uh, shorter to the knee, right? Pantaloons went to the um, ankle, very okay, tight. Pantaloons, yeah, they were kind of the skinny jeans of the 19th century. Exactly, skinny jeans with the uh, spandex, right. right? I right. mean, not just skinny jeans, but they went so that they mold and um, uh, fit, and you see all the curves, um, uh, men's curves. <laughs> you know, it's men's curves, <laughs> not women's curves, um, uh, and. Uh, so then, um, uh, uh, then the um, uh, pantaloons, um, uh, uh, when they became popular, then it, after pantaloons was trousers, and trousers were um, a looser fitting um, a garment that went to the um, ankle, more what um, we think of when we think of um, pants. And mm-hmm. so, although pants really is a shortened form of pantaloons. When we refer to pants in our mind's eye, we're really seeing trousers. Right. And um, it's, a, it's, I'm not sure um, exactly how um, the word um, pants eclipsed, uh, eclipsed the word um, pantaloons, but it became um, uh, more popular. Um, uh, you rarely hear the word trousers anymore. Uh, and jeans is um, is kind of a generic for um, a lot of pants too, even if we're not referring specifically to um, garments made out of denim. True. Right. Right. So, um, uh, but somewhere in there, um, uh, when pantaloons became popular around or the 1840s or we're losing their popularity around the 1840s is when we get the word pants. And then um, trousers become popular for men. And um, uh, that's um, uh, uh, when the word pants um, uh, starts to 
be used more commonly. Right. Um, okay. We also use it for, um, it's also more commonly used for women and children than it was for men. Mm-hmm. Uh, trousers would have been applied to um, men more often and pants to women or children. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I want to go back for a second to what you were saying about how much, you know, women still have to, to fight for. Um, there were several places in your book where I found myself shaking my head and thinking it's been more than 150 years and we're still dealing with some of the same absurd issues. So, for example, you wrote about um, regulating morality through dress in the 19th century and, and how it, quote, made women responsible for controlling men's sexual desires by not wearing sexy clothes. And in, in 2016, we're, we're still living in a culture where people are quick to blame the victim for her own rape. You know, often the argument is, well, she was wearing a short skirt and a low-cut top, so she was asking for it, rather than putting the responsibility on the rapist to control his sexual impulses like a sophisticated grown-up. We blame women for somehow being too enticing. So I, I also found it interesting when you wrote that Pride in dress was considered a particularly female vice in part because the need to wear clothing could be traced back to Eve. And here, I I think you're quoting John Humphrey Noyes of Oneida. Eve was the cause of the institution of dress. She opened the gate for sin and shame and death to come into the world. And after that invasion, dress was necessary. So in other words, if it wasn't for women being so darn tempting, we wouldn't need clothes at all. Adam was doing fine before Eve tempted him. So I just wonder, do you recognize a parallel between victim blaming and rape cases and the idea of Eve being the original temptress and, and man's downfall? Um, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's one of the things about um, doing women's history that is um, frustrating. We look for and we find um, Women who are empowered or who, um, uh, you know, fight against um, oppression. But at the same time, uh, women acting throughout history, including today, are walking always on this tightrope, um, uh, trying to, um, uh, you know, break um, some barriers, but um, uh, also trying to be um, uh, women and having to, um, it seems to me that trying to keep your balance on that tightrope um, uh, keeps a number of women from pushing as far as and hard as they might because um, they're going to fall off, and the, the price that women pay when they fall off that tightrope is excruciating. Um, when um, uh, I was doing um, the when I, when I was writing this book, and I continue to see it today, although it's um, not nearly as common, um, those of us who are trained as historians, but looking at um, clothing issues. Uh, it's almost like um, a, we have this apology in our introductions, and I, I see it again um, a, with the those of us who are trained as historians versus being um, trained as clothing historians, being trained as historians, and doing clothing issues. 
This um, is really important. I know it's clothing, and we, I know that clothing is frivolous because academics are, um, uh, they think there can be nothing more frivolous than paying attention to how you look because we're supposed to be so concerned with the life of the mind. And mm-hmm. so here I am looking at, um, uh, you know, I'm a woman. <laughs> Doing women's history, which is all, you know, marginalized, and then doing clothing within women's history, it's, um, a, a, it's, um, a seen as fluffy or frivolous, just the way fashion is, and not as important. And so, um, in the end, it all comes back to, um, we're constantly, um, uh, Blaming um, women, they're on that tightrope. They're trying to um, be women. They're trying to um, advance their um, sex, and uh, they're damned if they do. As you said, they're if they damned if they do. If they do, they're damned if they don't. Um, right. It's it's really hard to be a woman. It was hard to be a woman in the nineteenth century, um, and it's hard today. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we may not. Many people may not um, believe as fervently as they did in the 19th century that Eve was the source of all the bad stuff. But um, surely, um, there's so much women blaming um, and um, so much misogyny that still exists in a society that whether they can articulate it or not. A number of people do think it's all women's fault mm-hmm. and all the bad stuff, right? Right, right. Um, uh, so, um, uh, yes, there is um, uh, definitely um, uh, a parallel between blaming the victim and um, uh, the downfall of of man, because right. uh, it's all women. Mm-hmm all our fault. Mm-hmm. I, I find myself feeling angry that your work is, by some people at least, not regarded as as important as perhaps something else in history. I mean, wearing clothes is something that human beings do on a daily basis. So, of course, it, it's going to be filled with information about the way people thought. There's an entire language in fashion. Um, yeah, that ticks me off that, that you've seen that. But um, it's fluffy. right. It's a woman's thing. Now it's a woman's thing, and right. so uh, women are interested in clothing, and mm-hmm. um, it's almost that's almost by definition. If it interests women, then how important can it really be? Right. Um, exactly. uh, even though um, uh, you know, again, um, uh, historically. Uh, Men uh, passed laws, sanctuary laws, um, dictating, you know, kings could only wear ermine, um, uh, only kings could wear purple, and you could only wear this much gold if you were a nobleman. Or So it mattered to men. It does matter to men. Um, they used mm-hmm. to want to admit it. Right. Yeah, I, I want to turn back to the pages of Pantaloons in Power for a second. Um, 
There's a place where you wrote about 19th century women that they had a simple task, dress modestly yet fashionably. The task would be seen simple, would have been simple if fashion had clearly followed the rules it defines. Alas, numerous contradictions and ambiguities permeated fashion discourse. To present the image of the true woman, the real woman needed corsets, padding, and makeup. This was fashion's paradox. A woman achieved true womanhood by disguising herself. Women mold their bodies, paint their faces, and groom their hair in the latest styles, and at the same time are openly criticized for their observance of these rituals. And this had a lot of contemporary resonance for me. Like you said, the damned if you do, damned if they don't. We're supposed to do everything in our power to appear youthful and conventionally attractive, but often when we do, we're called whores. You know, we look too good, and suddenly men can't be expected to keep their junk in their pants. And it's not just men who are damning women. Sometimes it's women tearing into other women. Um, so I was wondering, being an expert in 19th century dress reform, I wonder if you saw evidence of women in that period dissing other women. Um, would you say that it, that it was more or less common than what we'd see today? And, and what form did it take? I mean, let's see. It took a very different form. Part of it is that um, women didn't have very many um, uh, forums in which to um, uh, voice their um, uh, disgust. Nowadays, um, uh, uh, there are so many places where you can, um, where young women and older women, where women can um, uh, turn on other women. Um, it, it needs to be more subtle in the 19th century. Gossip. Um, but vicious, it could be just as vicious. Gossip, um, not inviting um, certain women to um, important functions. Um, they would let a woman know if she had, um, you know, crossed the line from uh, uh, being respectable to not being respectable. And um, it would come in the form of usually um, uh, invitations falling off or, um, uh, you know, uh, being ignored um, in public. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of um, examples of women receiving um, anonymous letters in the um, mail about, you know, uh, how they're dressed. But, Mm But in general, it was done um, uh, more uh, secretly. A woman knew when she um, uh, had crossed the line. Other women right. let her know. Um, they just did it in a, um, a way that uh, was um, secret, secretive, um, but um, could be just as vicious as... Um, posting a picture on um, Instagram or Facebook and saying, can you believe that woman, um, what she looks like right. without a whole... Yeah. Um, right. So uh, different forms, but we also have to remember that um, uh, the majority of women in the 19th century didn't see that there was a problem, right? They mm-hmm. had... Um, uh, uh, 
Um, they had husbands. They had um, their role. They liked their role, taking care of their kids. Um, they liked the, you know, the rules. They didn't see um, any kind of problem with life in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, they um, can say, oh, what kind of shrews are they for making fun of this woman? But they wanted to keep things the way they were. They wanted to keep the status quo. And so they couldn't have um, uh, someone wearing too much makeup. They all wore makeup, and they all knew they wore makeup. But um, it was that natural look. You know, you, didn't, you couldn't look like you were wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they would... Um, keep other women um, in line to maintain the status quo because they didn't see a problem. Right. Most women. And so gossip and um, an anonymous letter or a few um, uh, uh, invitations that don't arrive and a woman would get um, uh, the idea and she would buck up and do what... um, uh, you know, she was supposed to do, or she would be essentially deserted, mm-hmm. left alone okay. by other women. Right. So I want to pop back to um, pants for a minute. Um, so when a woman in the 19th century decided to, to wear the pants, literally, she faced a lot of abuse. So what were some of the things that women endured simply because they wore pants in public? And I mean men, abuse for men for doing this. What were the consequences? Okay. Well, um, uh, it would be um, uh, men who would be the, um, in public, it would be men who would be the most abusive. Um, uh, women, uh, they could be arrested. Um, uh, they could, um, uh, they, it was, the most common thing was that they would have names. Um, uh, they would be called names when they walked down the street. They would, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, walking down the street and men would be yelling things at them. Uh, uh, she male is um, uh, words that were meant to um, denigrate um, a woman. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, women would have rocks or bricks um, thrown at them. And wow. Yeah, at least one um, uh, instance. Um, it, it sounds like uh, the... Um, uh, this man talks about seeing one, uh, about seeing a, um, a woman in pants and threatening to physically remove the pants from her. And the, his description is such that it really, um, it seemed to me that she was lucky that she um, escaped without being raped. I mean, the anger at the woman in the pants was so um, uh, shrill. Um, the man was so angry about um, uh, this woman and his desire to, you know, take her pants from her, um, uh, you know, the next step, um, uh, it wouldn't have been difficult to um, imagine um, uh, uh, the next step is to show her what a real man um, is. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um uh, it was a huge sacrifice um, for women to um, go out in public wearing um, the pants. Susan B. Anthony was ridiculed constantly in the newspaper. 
And Lucy Stone evidently looked quite cute in the outfit. Um, and the people <laughs> praised her. But Susan B. Anthony, um, uh, she's sticking to it out of principle. And finally, Lucy Stone says to her, she says, Susan, you know, enough. Um, nobody's listening to what you're saying anymore. They're just seeing you in this um, uh, costume, which makes you look ridiculous. Um, uh, and um, uh, enough. Take it off. Mm-hmm. And so she did. Um, uh, but it really, um, uh, it, was, uh, it was so hard for her to do that because she wanted to stick to her principles. But sure. um, uh, her message was getting lost in the, um, uh, you know, laughter and the um everyone's coming to see the woman in the bloomers not to hear the woman speak about women's rights right right yeah so what was it that, that people found so inherently feminine about a fabric tube because that's what we're talking about when we talk about a skirt, skirt or a dress and and then what's so inherently masculine about individual coverings for both legs I mean, what did people from the 19th century believe It's, um, there is nothing, um, uh, inherently, um, uh, masculine about, um, uh, trousers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, like I said, um, it become so, um, the, it was almost, it seemed timeless um, uh, to many in the 19th century that men had always worn pants and women, even if they could um, look at paintings or intellectualize that, um, there was a time when um, men didn't wear pants. Now men wore pants. And I, I, that was a male garment. And so that's why I said the women's rights women had to look um, outside of the United States to other countries where women were not empowered but who wore mm-hmm. pants to say, see, look at these women in the harem. They're wearing pants, but you know they have no power. So see, there's nothing, um, pants aren't necessarily masculine. Right. Um, the argument, um, it's a sound argument, but um, nobody's listening or a uh, few people are hearing um, it because all they can see, it's all about what they can see and they know that men wear pants and women wear skirts. And mm-hmm. um, that is it. Um, yeah. it. It defies logic. And that's the thing about which um, also fascinating about clothing and um, fashion is Sometimes it just defies um, logic. This mm-hmm. is how it is: men in pants, women in skirts. Um, uh, you know, it's why still. And I go back to my man in the skirt. It's still um, today, um, where most women can wear um, pants. Most men can't wear skirts. Very true. Because mm-hmm. um, you see, it's um, uh, yeah. Um, even when, yeah, I, well, I remember when pink, when um, uh, men could wear like a pink Oxford or a pink um, pull-up shirt, right? It's like, right. ooh, that's, um, uh, uh, 
Yeah. It's noticeable. He's really pushing the boundaries there. And not be right. seen as gay. Right. Wear pink and not be seen as gay. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, we still have um, uh, those, they're uh, unwritten. There's no rule anywhere that says skirts are for women. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was at Macy's yesterday with my um, uh, son looking for a pair of trousers, and um, uh, I didn't see the section. <laughs> business skirts for men in the men's <laughs> department. Yeah. So, which yeah, is one I, of the great things about being a woman, though, is that we can wear both. I, um, uh, I, true. We have yeah. more options, for sure. You have more. Um, but at the same time, having all those options makes that tightrope even harder for us to negotiate. Mm. As I was reading, um, I couldn't help being reminded of the character of Seely in Alice Walker's The Color Purple, who starts a business making unisex folk pants. Um, In your book, though, it seemed that most of the women involved in 19th century dress reform were white. So I was wondering if you had any insight into how the issue of women wearing pants may have touched African-American women of that same period. I mean, there's no way that... um, African-American women would have um, gotten involved with um, dress reform. I mean, I have examples of African-American women uh, dressing as men and passing as men, but not examples of them involved in dress reform. Again, Mm -hmm. it's because um, uh, it's going against um, everything that um, middle-class America believes in. And um, African-American women um, uh, are enslaved um, in the South and um, nominally free um, uh, in other places, to, um, but they're in such a precarious position that um, I can't imagine that they would call attention to themselves um, uh, by purposely putting on um, trousers. Mm-hmm. I could imagine them uh, being like the women in the West who, when nobody's going to see them, um, uh, to make their jobs easier, putting on trousers. Um, mm-hmm. But to, um, uh, uh, when they um, uh, when they had a choice of clothing too, I mean, I, it would um, uh, feel better. Um, uh, and if you like um, uh, clothes, I mean, I love clothes, and I love to um, uh, get dressed up. If I have to wear um, uh, the clothes, that, uh, you know, my poor clothes, when I have an opportunity to choose something for myself, I'm going to choose something that's um, uh, fun and that makes me feel good. Um, mm-hmm. the, the bloomer costume wasn't about fun. <laughs> no matter who wore it, it wasn't about fun. Um, it, it had a lot of baggage, whether it was for rights, um, for work, for religion, health. Mm-hmm. It had baggage. Um, right. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, it was no fun either. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you need extra. Um, uh, it really is an extra for um, uh, most women. Right, they would wear it. Um, uh, uh, most of the women they did do the reform only would do it in the privacy of their own homes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, for comfort and right, yeah. and so nobody would see them because right. of all of the um, 
uh, all of the negative associations. They didn't want to be associated with women's rights women. They didn't want to be seen what we now call feminists. Um, they didn't want to be um, seen as troublemakers. They didn't want to be seen as um, women who wanted to be men. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, numerous women wrote to the Dress Reform Association saying, I'm still not brave enough to wear it um, out in the garden. Um, maybe someday I'll be able to wear it into town. But I mm-hmm. only wear it in the house. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Gail B. Fisher, your book, Pantaloons and Power, was so fascinating, and there's so much more we could talk about, but I want to be respectful of your time. Um, so I, I do want to encourage our listeners to order your book um, so they don't miss out on a thing. You cover so much information, and, I mean, it's just great. Pantaloons and Power, Gail V. Fisher. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. For more information about this podcast, please visit ifreakinlovehistory.com.